Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. The challenge to, to me at the time as a as, as, uh, presidential of the peace process was... How, how do you make sure it gets implemented? How do you make sure um, it's taken seriously by government? And not just by OPA, but by the by different agencies of government. That it's a whole of government uh, uh, commitment. Salam everyone. Welcome to another interesting episode of She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. Joining you from Manila. And here with me is my co-host. Yes, this is Ayesa. And I'm so happy to join Amina for this episode. And I'm here based in Otakinabalu, Sabah. Ayesa. Yes. So ASEAN has concluded its summit. Yep. And we've been talking about this on the show for several episodes now about mm-hmm. ASEAN's desire to have a regional action plan for women, peace, and security. Yes. So now we just have to wait for the body to deliberate and uh, we'll see if it's really going to be adopted in December. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Is it going to happen? Not going to happen? What do you think, Ayesa? Well, who knows? <laughs> With all the ASEAN member states, as you said, we just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, here in Malaysia, just for your information, yeah, we've been busy until now with the recent election. Oh, yeah, so that's the- right. <laughs> you that's missed so it. It's not, it's not in the news. Tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. Well, we had our elections, 15 general election last Saturday. Not one party won. So they cannot form the government. So now the biggest winners in, in a way are the two big coalitions, Pakatan Harapan and Prakatan Nasional. Pakatan Harapan is led by Anwar Ibrahim. Prakatan Nasional is led by former Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin. So now what they're doing is try to organize and add more seats to their own parties. So they are now doing this horse trading with the smaller parties that 
were able to get seats in the parliament. So hopefully today at 2 o'clock, both Pakatan Harapan and Prikatan National are supposed to meet the king of Malaysia and they have to give evidence that they are able to get the required simple majority number of seats, which is 112 parliament seats. So we will know later which party is going to be the ruling government. So we are still waiting. <laughs> if there had been more women, Ayesa, in government of Malaysia, in the parliament mm-hmm. of Malaysia, mm-hmm. perhaps there would be a lot more stability yeah. in governance. That's why I really hope that this plan of ASEAN to have a regional action plan for women, peace, and security is supported because it does provide a strong platform for women's empowerment, for the participation of women in Mm -hmm. decision-making, not just in conflict areas, but, you know, anywhere you go. Because when you talk now, today, about peace and security, you're not just talking about armed conflict. You're talking about possible security issues because of geopolitics, right? Because of China or the struggle between China and the United States. And at the end of the day, we're affected by it. That's why I'm really so happy that we in the Philippines had the foresight to actually create a national action plan for women, peace, and security Oh, a couple of decades ago. And today, mm-hmm. our special guest is someone in the best position to tell us exactly how it came to be that the Philippines came up with a national action plan. And I know, Ging, that you know her well and that you are sort of one of her fan club, as am I. (laughs) Bring her on board. Why don't you introduce our guest? Okay. The perfect slogan to introduce Ging is that, you know, how to be you. Isn't that in the popular slogan in the Philippines? How to be Ging, Veles. So let me introduce Ging to all our audience today. Her full name is Teresita Quintos Veles, but she is really well known as Ging. And then she is a, a well-loved personality among all the peace workers and peace builders in the Philippines and also in the region. She has always been a feminist uh, activist, a peace advocate. And a government official, you know, it was really during her time as the presidential advisor on the peace process or OPAP, where she led that office from 2003 to 2005. And in return again in 2010 to 2016, during the time of former President Benigno Aquino, that the Philippine government was able to sign the peace agreement between the government of the Philippines and the MILF. They signed the Comprehensive Agreement on the Bangsamoro. So Ging has been a very popular member and leader in many international organizations because naturally all the big international organizations involved in peacemaking would also want her to be part of them. So some of these organizations include, of course, our very own ASEAN Women Peace Registry where she is a member representing the Philippines. But even before AWPR, she was already part of the first group of uh, the members of the Governing Council of the ASEAN Institute for Peace and Reconciliation when it started early on. And she has also been appointed as part of the United Nations UN standby team for a certain period. And in 2012, she was also a recipient of the End Peace Award for being a model for peace. 
More recently, Ging is uh, very much involved in this interesting commission called the International Commission on Inclusive Peace. It's organized in Geneva, and Ging is one of those experts involved in that. So they have been going in many places in the world so that they can produce this, what they call a Principles for Peace document, which they hope to introduce in 2023. So that is a nutshell of Ging, but I'm sure we will know more about all her advocacies and her continued passion for peace work. So welcome, Ging, to our show, to She Talks Peace. Welcome, Ging. Hi, Ging. Hello, I'm very happy to be here. Finally. So glad (laughs) that you're able to join us, uh, especially after our trip in Phnom Penh. So, Ging. You began your career as a teacher, and then you became a women's rights advocate. How did that happen? And what experiences eventually led you to championing women's role in peace and security? Okay, how to make this a short story. (laughs) Yeah, so I started out as a teacher. I, in fact, thought all my life I would be teaching. And But then when after my first year of teaching, I ended up very tired because I was doing my own materials. I didn't want to use the regular textbook. I needed to connect with my students. I was teaching high school, third and fourth year high school. And I needed to use more current material. I looked for stories that I thought would connect with them. Yung significant human experience that was there. And so it was a good teaching year. Up to today, on their 50th anniversary, they remember me as one of the teachers that they really love. Wow. They would remember me in their programs 50 years later. But I was very tired. So I said, it cannot be this way. There has to be another way of teaching. And as it happened, my older brother was also looking for alternative schooling for his own children. And he said, okay, I'll I'll give you salary <laughs> to do research into alternative methods of schooling. Initially, it was for preschool. But as it went on, he was also beginning to work with urban poor and saying, how do you do adult education? So... He got into an NGO at Ateneo, at one of the universities here, and he invited me to work with him. As it turned out that the staff there, which was other young activist staff, were looking at other ways of working with with communities. It turned out there was this big flood. You remember there was this big flood for the days of rain in Manila. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which brought students in, into volunteer work. And I got involved with that. And well, to make, to try to cut that long story short, working with the students, working with the flooded areas, we realized you can't just do relief work. You have to do rehabilitation. And in fact, rehabilitation wasn't enough because they were poor. Even if you brought them back to where they were, it needed to be more than that. So it had to be more long-term development. And that's how my NGO work started. And I would discover that, hey, in the NGO work, we weren't paying too much attention to the women. So one of my first communities, I was working with the Fisher Folk community. (laughs) And I realized, hey, I'm, I'm only talking to the men. My relations with the women were as they would cook the food, they would serve it to me, they would give me, they would give me gifts of bags and all of that. And then I would realize, say, hey, these women are so important in this Fisher Folk community. 
economy, they were the ones who would uh, wait for the fishermen in the or dry it in the early morning because they would be the ones to take the catch and bring it to market to sell and all of that. Right. And of course, they had to be the ones to make sure that whatever was earned was going to be enough. And that during summer, when there weren't to be enough fish to catch and the men went to right. the cities to do construction work, it was the women who was left behind in the community. So, well, to try to cut that short, I realized, hey, women are being left out. Women are important. And this brought me into the world of women's rights and the need for women empowerment. Sorry, it's so long. Actually, not long enough. <laughs> it's a long story how I came into this by accident, not by plan. I know that you have gone into so many different areas of women empowerment, being that uh, mm -hmm. time is always short to get all of that uh, in, into this conversation. But I know that Ayesa has been dying to ask her questions about women, peace, and security. How about it, Ayesa? The more serious stuff, in the, which we try to avoid. But anyhow, okay, because this is, of course, you know, very useful to all our audience. Amina and I have been talking about the WPS agenda and how ASEAN you know, wants now to introduce this regional action plan on WPS. But uh, for the Philippines, you know, how did the Philippine government started you know, to really seriously consider putting up its own national action plan? How was the journey you know, for the Philippine government to do this? What did you have to do, gang, beg, borrow, steal to get government to actually go into the drafting? Well, actually, the work to get a national action plan did not start with government. It started with civil society. In fact, it started a bit before my term when they already started to gather and get to go to OPAP and say, we need women's decent security action plan. And as it turned out, my immediate predecessor was a woman. She was open to it. If they didn't get to finish it under her term, so it crossed over to mine. And in, under the Aquino government, well, in a way, you can say there was already an opening because President Aquino appointed me into this position. So he knew I was a woman empowerment activist. So he knew that what he was getting, that kind of a woman that would push this thing. So we, of course, took on what had been started in the past administration, made sure that we got it adopted by government. But I think the greater challenge under our administration was to make sure that it wasn't just a plan. It wasn't just something, a paper plan that would be nice to display, would be put in the filing box and nobody pays right. attention to it except every anniversary you'd say, hey, we have a plan as a presidential and the peace process. Was How do you make sure it gets implemented? How do you make sure it's taken seriously by government and not just by OPAP, but by different agencies of government? Right. That it's a whole of government commitment. And how do we make sure that, because that was the only way it was going to make really a difference in the lives of women in communities. And that's what we worked on. In fact, we had to rework the NAP that had already been finished to work on the indicators to make sure that they were real. We didn't want to have, you know, a shopping list of indicators. We wanted to make sure that these were the things that mattered. That the agencies that were brought in, because we also had at that time, if you will remember, Amina, the PAMANA program, which was development and governance um, agenda. Right. 
to bring development into conflict-affected areas. So these were targeted. And all of them... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Agencies were brought in. This wasn't going to be something that was, you had a fixed package that you would bring into the community. We wanted to be able to go into a community and listen to what they really needed and have the agencies around to listen and decide which of these agencies were best able to respond. So all of these agencies we brought into an interagency task force on WPS so that it would not be, I was so set on that, that the NAP would not just be an OPAP program. It would be the whole of government. It would be the agencies that could deliver, right, right, that were supposed to address the problems of women in conflict areas, that they would be there. And that was really the work that happened in our six years to make sure that that plan that was adopted early on in our administration, because the work had been started already before us, would be implemented and felt on the ground. But Ging, I get why for us women, it's important that government and all of its agencies support an action plan that will allow us to help out in peace and security. But why is it important for government that women be part of the implementation, the policy making for peace and security? What's in it for government, Ging, that women be involved? We always said that women brought in a different perspective. I'm not one, and we weren't the ones who were saying that women are better, women are more peaceful, women are by nature. That can be a whole debate. But that culturally, because almost every society in the world have assigned women the work of taking care of families, raising the children. That there was certainly a perspective here that was important that had not been brought. And that was important to bring into the world of policymaking, that there was a very important aspect of our lives, what happens in our homes, what happens in our families, that wasn't being brought into policy, that wasn't being thought about when governments made budgets that weren't being considered when governments decided to go to war. And that we knew that war was always hardest on women. The cost of war is always heaviest on women. Without going to war, they're the ones who pick up the pieces always afterwards, who suffer violence, not just the violence of being hit in the middle of armed conflict, 
but the violence that comes out of being exposed to violence and that violence outside also being brought home and that it was important therefore in making decisions about war and peace that the other half of that this the other half of society who are very often not on the table that they are there and that they speak of the problems that happen they speak of the problems of how do you feed families in times of violence that they speak of the problems of how do you take care of families when the men go to war how do you take care of your children to raise them to be caring to raise them to be productive when all these when when what they see are the guns and what they see are the use of force that these are things that should be this not just grappled with by women but they are understood and that they are looked at they are considered when policies are made and budgets are decided on and decisions are made as to where you put the money decisions are made as to how you run societies i guess i guess uh, the perspective of women here is crucial in many ways and one and what i can think of is i suppose more women do really prefer a more peaceful resolution of conflict rather than actual armed struggle right ayesa Yeah and I guess that's why you know there is such a momentum now you know that we are uh, waiting for ASEAN to launch this regional plan of action this coming December but what you think is the value of this regional action plan especially at this point in time in the ASEAN region you know knowing that we still have ongoing you know problems in Myanmar and southern Thailand you know at the same time now all of the countries in the asian region have this kind of experience of uh, armed conflict and violence you know like malaysia singapore laos so how do we now convince all these other asian member countries to be part of this wps agenda well in fact in fact wps agenda is important not just for asean but for the entire world the world is seeing so much more violence and violence of a different kind and a recurring violence in places where you thought there had been um you know even there had been peace agreements or where you thought that some calmness had come in you are now seeing a lot of outbreaks of war and asean has seen some of the most terrible wars right genocide and it is still so much uh, while we are such uh, we are a diverse um, perhaps the most diverse region in the world and that some countries will say that they are safe they've never had that kind of war but we see that that wars and violence can no longer be kept within borders it has come to be that you cannot say that we have not had it and it will never be here it's important for governments to realize that their women the their women within their borders would like to see a more peaceful region because you'd like to see a region where you can uh, cross borders you can see women in leadership roles you can celebrate diversity i think we don't want boring worlds right 
<laughs> Definitely not. We don't want the world to be all the same. In fact, that's why we want to go out and travel, right? Exactly. Right. And all of us enjoy traveling in ASEAN. <laughs> right. And so if you want that, there's that diversity to be celebrated. Then you have to find ways of being able to live with diversity. It cannot be that I enjoy the diversity there. But here, yes. here, you all have to be the same. Here, here, you all have to follow. <laughs> yeah. here, here, we're only like this. Here, you're not about to Agree, this. agree. Be, there has to be a regional, in fact, not just regional, a global outlook about okay. the world yeah. that you want. You know? And um, me, I've always, I, uh, because um, when people say, why do you work so hard for peace? I, said, I always say, well, in the beginning, a big part of it was always my children. And I didn't want them to grow up in a world where, of violence. Or I agree. And now it's for my, I have, an eight-year-old grandson. I don't want Miguel to enjoy playing only with his own type of kid. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I want him to be able to see how people can be different kinds. Isn't it? I want my grandson to be able to enjoy different kinds of people because that's how he's going to grow. He's that's going mm-hmm. to grow to people to draw on all of his global citizen talents. Absolutely. You know, Ging, if only I had a grandchild. <laughs> no, you know, waiting, not waiting, there yet. But if only I had a grandchild, I would make absolutely sure that he or she and Migs would uh, have a, a play date because I absolutely agree with you about diversity being important. It makes a community stronger. In fact, when my mom, Ayesa, was running for the Senate, that was her theme. Unity. In diversity, so many colors uh, make for a beautiful portrait. I mean, you can't always yeah. be black and white. I said the rainbow, a rainbow kind of piece is the piece that I want. Not, not, a, not a dull gray, not peaceful because we're all the same. Yep. Because the ones who are different are going to go away. They will go and look for other places. And your society is going to be so much poorer for it. You drive out the ones that are different. So I'm going to join Migs and we'll go chasing rainbows. <laughs> but you know, time time always flies. Every time we have these really fun um, conversations. And before we end our show, Ging, perhaps you have a message to our listeners. If you had access to those in ASEAN and in other governments who have a say in women, peace, and security, what would your message be to them about supporting women, peace, and security? I think we don't give up. The UN Security Council resolution was passed, was adopted in, in um, it celebrated 22 years ago. And still, how many countries don't have it? Still, when you look at peace tables, very rarely are women there. When you look at leadership of countries, very few women are there. So this means that our societies are being shaped by one perspective. We don't give up and we have to find ways, I think, very especially in ASEAN. We have to find ways of getting women to talk with women, not mediated 
by men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even not mediated all the time by governments. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we have to find out what in all of our diversity, all of our differences, where we have common bonds, where we will push for the same things, what space each one needs to be allowed to do. I think we will find out that we have a more long-term perspective about the way we look at societies, about the way we look at the environment even. Because when you raise children, you want to make sure they grow up to be adults. Mm. I think that gives, apart from the, it's like the diversity is the horizontal view. You want to see the different colors there. But I think we also have that long-term view because when we, having taken care of the children, we know that it has always been to see them go through time, to see them grow, to mature, they to see them become more fully who they were meant to be. That kind of perspective needs to come into the shaping of our societies, into the shaping of our policies for our own sakes for the sakes of our children, for the sakes of our grandchildren. So we don't give up. And we make sure that when we went enter that arena and that when we push it, it is those perspectives that have not been on the table that we bring in, that we don't just enter into the world the way they have shaped it and to say, this is the only thing that you can discuss. We say no. We want to be able to discuss. We want to be able to bring on the table the things, the problems, the issues that we face when we are at home, confronted with how do you make sure that this little boy or this girl that was put into your hands to raise. We often say that we need to convince also, you know, the men to support WPS agenda. But at the same time, I I think we need to, you know, convince more women as well. <laughs> that, that they should, you know, that everybody, you know, all the women in the world should be courageous enough, you know, to support, you know, women's issues. You know? So it really goes both ways with WPS agenda. So a lot of more hard work for all of us. But thank you, especially with your work in the Philippine peace process. And now you are helping other international organizations that hopefully, especially in ASEAN, so that we can really continue this work on WPS agenda. We should not forget Ging's relatively new role over the last eight years. That being a a grandmother who is out to make sure that her grandson Migs has a safe and beautiful future and can face rainbows if he so wants to. So thank you so much, Ging, for being with us. And dear listeners, Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed King Stories as much as we did. And if you have questions for King Deles or comments, or you have ideas for future episodes, do send us an email at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. Shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Shetalkspeace is now on social media. Give us a follow at SheTalksPeace on both Twitter and Instagram to get updated on the latest episode. Thanks, Ging, and bye! Thank you very much. Bye, everybody! 
She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.